Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Bobby Hart thinks this guy is terrible. All right. All right, Bill's Mafia, thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I am your host, Vince Taylor. We have no shortage of things to talk about this week. We do have our first release depth chart. We made it all the way, all the way in this long, hard offseason to the first preseason game, and I can smell real football right around the corner. I'm also going to be debuting a new segment this week with one of the other creators from this very network, Justin Goddard over from The Wandering Buffalo. Very happy to have him on the new segment every week. We also have a great hot seat for you this week, including one of the other members on this network, Izzy Monero, who does the Red Zone Report every Friday on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. I also have Casey over from Napnos Buffalo. If you're listening to me, you already know who Casey is. He is a very funny and thoughtful person. I I appreciate his his humor. <laughs> He's not afraid to, you know, be silly from time to time, but he knows how to get down the business and talk Bills football, and he gives thoughtful analysis as well. Uh, big fan of Casey and Kyle, for that matter. And last but not least, Justin Goddard also took a turn in the hot seat as well as his new segment. We will definitely get into all of that. But before we do, I have one favor to ask of you right now. If you're listening to the show and you want to support it, If you're listening on Spotify, go out there and click that notify button. If you're listening on iTunes, go out there and leave a thoughtful review. Unless you want to leave us a terrible review, then I hope you have no friends. But I would appreciate a thoughtful review, whatever platform you choose to listen to this on. It's going to help support me. It's going to help support the Built in Buffalo Network and all the other creators out here that are putting out content for you every single day. That's it. That's my favor. I would really appreciate it. Let's get down to it. The Bills finally released their first off-season depth chart. We've been waiting on this for a while, speculating on who might be playing where. And, you know, of course, we got to see that in the first preseason game. Not everybody got to play. But, you know, not a lot of big surprises. Uh, there were some that maybe kind of raise an eyebrow, for example. Uh, Jake Kumaro listed as a number two outside receiver. I'm still not buying that. I'm still not buying any of that hype. I I think they're trying to drive up his trade value. Uh, I've had this conversation many times this week, and I I feel like there's people out there that are Kumaro fans, and that's okay. I'm not actively rooting against him. I'm just pessimistic at his real chances of the roster, the final roster. He's 29 years old. He's never done it before. He Yes, he's making plays in camp. We've seen that before. Uh, It's a camp hero type thing. I think they're letting him run with the ones to try to maybe drive up some interest and some value and give him a chance to make plays with Josh Allen as opposed to Mitch Trubisky or Davis Webb. 
So th- that was one of the things that stuck out to me. Uh, one of the other things that I did notice almost immediately is that Cody Ford is not at left guard, which we all thought John Feliciano would be there at right guard. So they're trying to give him a home and let him stick and let him keep that position. So it seems like he is going to be the right guard, which, you know, that's better. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not aware of John Feliciano's experience at left guard. I know Cody Ford has very, very, very limited experience there. He played a handful of snaps and had a cup of coffee there last year, basically out of necessity and kind of emergency situation. He got over there on the left guard spot. I'm not a, I've never been an offensive lineman, but I know very rudimentary terms when it comes to that and, and practices and when you're on the left side and when you're on the right side, which foot you drop back is different, which hand you extend is different. And if you don't believe little details like that mattered when you're sitting at your desk today or tomorrow or sometime that's just flip your trash can to the other side, just flip your trash can. If you're right-handed and you usually reach down and put it on with your right hand, switch it over to your left. See how many times it takes you to reach down to remember that you switch it over to the left side. It's going to be a while. I'm telling you, my wife switched the silverware drawer in my home a year and a half ago. And every now and then I still walk over to the wrong drawer and open it up and try to get silverware out of it because, well, I'm a dummy. So maybe you guys are smarter than me, but I believe that stuff matters and it's muscle memory and repetition. And, you know, even if you get it, sometimes you can still have that little lingering thing in the back of your head. Maybe some people get over that a little easier than a dummy like Vince, but I I do think that stuff matters. Another thing that struck out to me almost immediately was Bobby Hart being the number two right tackle. Oh my gosh. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about the game from last night. But if that is any indication, the rest of the line behind our starters is in deep shit. I don't want to overreact to one preseason game because it is preseason game, but that's not something that makes me very comfortable. Uh, Jamil Douglas, who I had previously viewed as maybe a back end of the the roster player, is also listed as a number two. Uh, Ryan Bates, I think we all had an idea, was the backup center. He can play every spot on the line. And, you know, I think his path to being a tackle is pretty much closed off on this team. He's either going to be a backup center or a backup guard. Um, Maybe he even gets a chance to be a backup guard, but right now it looks like he's a backup center. Forrest Lamp, who many people had high hopes for, myself included, is way down buried on the depth chart. He's a third string guard uh, on the right side. You know, it is a preseason first roster chart, uh, so it doesn't mean that what is there now has to necessarily stay there, but, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Remember, he was a, a former well, he was a high round pick. I believe it was a second round pick of the chargers. He's been hurt a lot. And, you know, at one time he was very well thought of. He's kind of fallen from grace and trying to get back on track, having a hard time getting ahead of Ike Bodker, which to be fair to Ike, he played very well last side, uh, last year on the left side. Uh, but, you know, just an interesting little note that, uh, you know, apparently at this point in camp, he's not making it. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, started at both kick returner and punt returner. Uh, We have plenty to talk about with him from the game last night as well. On the defensive side right now, as we stand, we have Effie Obata, 
as the third string behind Jerry Hughes and Gregory Rousseau over on the left side, uh, Daryl Johnson bringing up the rear uh, over there. We have Vernon Butler backing up star. I guess that's kind of a mild surprise. I might have thought Harrison Phillips would be up there by now. I'm slightly worried about Harry's roster chances. I'm rooting for Harry. He is a fan favorite. Everyone loves Harry, but I don't think his roster spot is safe. Um, We have Justin Zimmer backing up Ed Oliver on the other tackle spot. Rashad Wild Goose, not in the slot. He is a backup outside corner. Uh, Saran Neal is actually right now listed as the backup slot corner. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. He's, you know, I don't think he made it as an outside corner. We drafted him originally as a safety. He's been listed as both uh, at various times, and now we're trying him in the slot. Um, You know, I guess I didn't really notice him a bunch last night, and maybe that's a good thing. But uh, not sure how I feel about that right now. So not that many real surprises here on the roster. Just a couple things to make me maybe raise an eyebrow. Uh, but I don't think I was blown away or completely surprised by any of this. But we did get to see this team in action last night, which because it's Saturday, you're probably listening on a Monday. But uh, Friday night against the Detroit Lions. And, you know, I guess some general takeaways, and I have some notes here as well, but some general takeaways was I thought the defensive line was great. They had pass rush all night long. They got several sacks. They could have easily had several more. There were some cheap calls. Uh, there were a few calls that I did not like that went against the defense. Um, maybe an Effie Obata roughing the passer. I think that was one that took back the interception. But uh, they were there. They were in the backfield. And remember, not running our number ones. Jerry Hughes didn't play. I don't think Mario Addison played. Ed Oliver was in there. He got in the backfield a handful of times. But the story of the night is Greg Rousseau, and I think that's what we're all excited about. First drive of the game. He didn't even make us wait for it. Went in there and got a sack. Just so long. Just so long. And he has this weird move where he can. he's so strong and so long where he can basically just stiff arm you, and then somehow... He's flexible enough to wrap around you and then with his long arm, get on the quarterback. He did that uh, several times last night, and he did get that one sack from that move on the first drive. And that is super encouraging to me. As you know, that's the one thing I've wanted to see. I've talked about that several times in the last few weeks is that I wanted to see him do it against an NFL tackle. And not only did he do it against an NFL tackle, he did it against an NFL top 10 pick this year who many people were already wanting to put in the Hall of Fame, you know. But uh, I guess that's why you play the game sometimes. But Gregory Rousseau has got me over the moon. We've been hearing about him all camp long, and and we finally got to get our eyeballs on it. And uh, I'm buying into the hype 100% in on Groot. I think that, uh, you know, I was initially like Josh Allen, I suppose, not super thrilled with the pick, but I've completely warmed up to it after – I guess I'm easily swayed when I want to be. But uh, after watching that and hearing the training camp, I'm all in. I'm expecting big things from him. And uh, (laughs) maybe it's going to be easy to disappoint me now, but I'm all in on that. Uh, The run defense, yeah, you know, they had some stops uh, on third and short. But, you know, generally, you know, I wasn't too worried about it. Just kind of, yeah, it's fine. Uh, Later in the game, uh, Craig Reynolds, who – Every time I hear that name, I, I somebody else said it the other night, but I, I agreed with it. I keep hearing Frank Reynolds. 
he tore us up a little bit towards the end of the game. Yeah, it's the first preseason game going against the end of the roster, guys. I, I wasn't really worried too much about that. Josh Thomas had some big hits in the first quarter, coming down and laying, uh, laying the smackdown on a couple of running backs. He's getting noticed. He's trying to make the roster. I didn't initially have him on my roster, and, you know, it's preseason. You kind of really don't want to overreact, even though I just completely overreacted to Gregory So, But, um, you know, that's what you want to see. You want to see people making plays in preseason. What you don't want to see is people not making plays. Uh, McKenzie had a drop from Mitch Trubisky. It was a low pass. It was very catchable. I wasn't overly impressed with McKenzie last night. He wasn't in the game that long. Uh, his kick returns didn't do anything for me. Never really felt like any of the kick returners did anything for me. I never really felt like there was a spark, like we were maybe had a chance on this one. Uh, and sometimes that happens, but I just didn't see it last night from any of the kick returners. McKenzie, not a great night. Mitch Trubisky only threw two passes. Both of them should have been caught, even if that one was low. Uh, if he throws it up a little bit higher, maybe McKenzie catches it and gets a couple extra yards. But, uh, you know, I'm not mad at Trubisky. I'm not mad at all. He's got that second QB spot wrapped up. We're all hearing about Davis Webb right now. You know, nice game from Davis Webb. Did some nice things. Wasn't superly overly impressive. You know, did some stuff with his his legs. Uh, he got in trouble a couple times. I know he took an intentional grounding. There was also one later in the game that he probably should have been called on. It was about a yard short uh, of the line of scrimmage. It looked like to me, and he didn't get. He got away with one there. So you know he. He's a third string, fourth string practice squad quarterback. I don't know what you can expect. Yeah, those guys can come in every now and then, and, and maybe they can open your eyes. But uh, that's usually who they end up being. So I'm not expecting good things from Davis Webb. I think he's going to be with the team on the practice squad, and he's going to maybe make a career of it. I said earlier this week that if Josh Allen were to go down early this year for an extended period of time, and Mitch became the first quarterback, that – we probably wouldn't elevate either from or Davis Webb. I'm standing by that. I think they go find another more experienced veteran quarterback to back up Mitch Trubisky. You know, I, I'm not hating on Davis Webb. Uh, I just, you know, he's third, fourth, fifth year in the league now. Never thrown an NFL pass. He's on his third team. Yeah, he's got a little wheels, but uh, not sure that we're going to get much from him. I'm not sure he's ever going to really get the chance to shine. And much like Davis Webb, if you just look at the stats, you know, the box score, you can, it looks like Fromm and Davis Webb played pretty well. It's not what my eyeballs were telling me. Uh, I'm still very anti Jig Fromm. He did have that nice pass to Marquez Stevenson on fourth down that pretty much won the game for us, and that was a nice play for him. It was. But generally, I, I to be fair, both Fromm and Davis Webb were under pressure a lot. The offensive line was terrible. <laughs> uh, if there's an area on the team that I'm most concerned about right now, it is the offensive line and also the set, the backup secondary. I'm a little concerned about that. But the offensive line was just ridiculous. Seems like when Singletary was in there, and he was mostly running with the ones, Singletary was very effective, and he's a different type of runner than Breda. You know, Breda never got going. He had a couple runs that looked good, and he fought for some extra yards, and I'm not here to hate on Matt Breida. I think he's going to make the roster. I think he's going to have several big plays for us, but he didn't have a chance to reach that next gear. And it seemed like every time he took the ball, he really had nowhere to go. And that's on the offensive line. Bobby Hart was in the game a lot. Till the very end. 
And that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. We all saw Bobby Hart trying to block air and losing. What the hell is that guy doing on the team? We all said this when we signed it, and I get it. You want a veteran. He's a body. But dear God, that guy's terrible. And he's second on the depth chart. I am hoping, and I this is my prediction and my hope, that you know once the final roster cutdowns do happen, the end of August, and we start seeing the bigger numbers of players available, that there's going to be some moves made. We need to solidify that spot, I think. Interior as well. You know, he's on the outside, but we need some help on the inside too. I'm I'm concerned about the offensive line. It wasn't great last year, and I know Bobby Hart's not going to make it. He's most likely packing his shit up right now so he can get cut on Tuesday. But I'm concerned. I'm also concerned about the secondary. I know Trey White didn't play last night. Levi Wallace had a great play in the end zone. Um, He seems to make maybe a play or two like that every game. Um, so, you know, Levi's doing his thing. Levi's going to be Levi. But after that, after Trey and Levi, I think there's a big gap. I think, uh, Wild Goose, he took, uh, I think he took a penalty. I know he gave up a long catch later in the game. It wasn't terrible coverage. He was there. He was in the area. It was a well-thrown ball, I think by Charlie Blau at that point. So give credit to them. And, you know, he's, I think Dave Tilton was the one that told me he's grabby. He's grabby. He got a penalty for it. And, you know, I'm a little concerned about that too. Not wanting to overreact against one preseason game, but you know, I guess it is what it is. Uh, let's see, Dane Jackson. I don't recall. I know he was on the field, but I don't recall him making any plays last night. Um, not quite sure. And someone that is much more skilled at watching the game than I am could probably fill me in. But I don't believe he made any uh, noteworthy plays. I, I see a lot of people being excited about Nick McLeod. You know, he did make that play in the end zone. He basically ran into the guy. I think that was kind of borderline uh, defensive interference. He never turned his head to look at the ball. It was underthrown a bit. Uh, so I, I don't know. He had that quote interception, which he didn't see it hit the ground. So you can't really fault him for it. He did what he thought was right in the moment. But he might be your fastest defensive back. And I'm hoping for him to show up. Um, and, you know, I'm, I i don't see it. You know, I don't see it from any of the defensive backs last night. I talked about the kick returners. You know, Brandon Powell made a really poor choice on a punt return. One that was very easily should have been fair caught. Brandon Powell elected not to end up taking a pretty hard shot. Decisions like that cost you games. I can't believe that that is going to endear him to the coaching staff, and that's not going to help his chances to make the roster. So he's going to probably stick around. I don't think he's going to be one of the first five out, but he's going to be one that's out the door sooner or later. Uh, I believe I saw Gregory Rousseau get a pressure on the inside. I, If somebody could tweet at me and let me know, but I thought I saw that maybe later in the game, but uh, I could be wrong. Andre Smith, we brought him on last year as a special teamer, but he can play a little linebacker, at least in the preseason. He had an interception. Unfortunately, it was called back. couple nice tackles. There was one where the running back had the angle on him, and it looked like he was beat, but he had a little burst of speed, closed the gap, and made a nice tackle. I thought Andre Smith had a great game. That probably helps, especially because he can play, well, he can play special teams. Uh, Tyler Matakavish actually started the game, which was odd. 
and we generally think of him as a special teams only player. He had a he had a tackle one on one. I think he met the running back in the hole, made a tackle. He had a drop interception on the first uh, play or two. Might be the first play of the game. There was a Tyler Madikavich sighting last night. Daryl Johnson had a sack. He ended up getting in there. There was like four people that had a hand on him. The line just completely collapsed. Uh, all five positions looked like they just gave up. There were four defenders on the quarterback. He was just the first one there. So, I mean, give him credit where credit's due. He did his job. He got to the quarterback. Basham took a roughing the passer penalty. You know, Basham played a lot last night, uh, and everyone's been saying, I noticed it last night too, that he was playing really late into the game. I'm sure they just believe that he needs the extra reps. Antonio Williams, not impressed. Didn't think he had much room to run. He did have a fumble. I think he had a, a catch or two, uh, maybe like a seven-yard, eight-yard catch. Same excuse for Breda that I think applies for Antonio Williams that he didn't have room to run. But I'm still, you know, I'm just, I'm not in love with Antonio Williams as much as everybody else is. I still might like to have him over Taiwan Jones. Tyler Bass. Ice cold water in his veins. That man has steel for heart. He went out there and kicked that game-winning field goal, and he's perfect on the night. Uh, the squib kit that follows was not great. <laughs> uh, they left a lot of time on the clock there. But Dan Campbell's clock management, I know it's a preseason game, but it basically just gave up. And, you know, this is the time where you want to run through those scenarios. And I said, even last week, I'm not a fan of Dan Campbell. I think he's a weirdo, and I, I can't trust him to be a serious person or a serious coach. And then he just gives up like that. I, I would be upset if I'm a Lions fan. Now, Sean McDermott hasn't been perfect with clock management in his time either, but not like that. He wasn't just outwardly giving up. Try to win the game. It's preseason. It doesn't matter, but... It's practice. It's you want to reps in. You want to you want to make a culture. You want to make a mentality. And he's just refused to use his last time out. Let the crock run out. And I don't know. It's pretty weak for me. I'm I'm disappointed in that for the Lions fans. Oh, one other thing that I forgot to talk about was Duke Williams last night. I think last night was a fitting metaphor for his entire career. It's been just a career of it's right there almost, but not quite. He had you know, the really great effort on that sideline catch, just couldn't get the other foot down, couldn't make the catch. He had a wide open streak, which may have been a touchdown, uh, at least a long game. And I want to think that pass came from Jake Fromm just outside his fingertips. And to me, I, it just felt like... Poor Duke. That's his entire career. Everything about Duke's career has been, yeah, almost, but no, not quite. And, you know, I know a lot of people like Duke and a lot of people root for him, and I'm never rooting against him. I wanted him to be that guy. Uh, unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to just get that last, I guess, yard in a football metaphor uh, that would put him over the top. So that's it. That's all my notes from the game last night, which I'm recording on a Saturday. Um, you know, it was the most I've ever paid attention to a preseason game. Normally I'm gone. I don't normally make it to halftime, even for Bill's preseason games, but I was completely tuned into every single snap last night and uh, felt kind of good. I guess I missed the preseason more than I thought I would. We do have two more preseason games to go. And uh, so, you know, the roster is not set in stone yet. And like I said, my prediction is 
that there's going to be two or three moves that are going to supplement the backup corners and the offensive line after the first string. I, I'm I'm a little concerned. I don't want to panic and I don't want to overreact after the first preseason game, but you know, just look at the roster and then look at the way that things went. It's cause for concern and you keep an eye on it, but you don't panic, I think is the best way to approach this right now. All right, that's it. I am debuting the new segment this week. It is called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? And in this segment, I will be joined by Justin Goddard every single week. Uh, we will go through several scenarios and you have to pick a side. Yes or no, basically. There is no in the middle. So I hope you all like that. And then we also have the Mafia Hot Seat. There are going to be some changes in my life going into this football season where I'm going to try to keep doing the hot seat, but I am not promising anything. It's going to be a little bit difficult for me to schedule some guests. And, you know, I'll, for this at this time, I'm, I'm going to plan on keep doing it. But if you don't get one some week, I don't want you to panic. So without further ado, is it real or is it silly? Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, is it real or is it silly? Silly, adjective, laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double L. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, welcome to the first and debut segments called is that real or is that silly my co-host of this segment is one half of maybe the most likable duo in the podcasting community over from the watering buffalo justin goddard how are you i'm wonderful thanks for the uh glowing introduction there always appreciate your nice words about our podcast uh I'd like to think Andrew's our better half and you're you're just kind of stuck with me for right now. Well, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I appreciate you making some time for me. We'll come to you every week. The rules of the game is you have to go all in on one side or the other. There is no medium here, which is kind of my whole thing. I'm always trying to be more measured. But in this game, we got to pick a side. You have to go all in on one side or the other. Okay. So I have three scenarios in front of me. And you get to say, yeah, that's real or no, that's silly. And then you have to defend your, your response. So Justin, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Let's fire it up. All right. Question one. Lamar will get a bigger contract than Josh Allen. See, now this is where you say that it has to be on one side or the other, but I feel like it's real silly. <laughs> Why is it silly? Um, so I think it's real, real. Um, I think his contract's going to be kind of right in line with Josh's. And, uh, I think it's kind of silly that he's going to get that money, but I, I do think that it's, it's real. Uh, I think when they end up at the, at the table negotiating and they get to, you know, come in with, um, you know, he's been to the playoffs. He's won an MVP. He's had success with the team. Um, they're kind of building around him. I think that 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 negotiating chip that he has won the MVP is going to 
is going to bring him some extra dollars. And me personally, I think it was kind of a down year um, for the MVP that he won, um, but he has it nonetheless. Um, I don't think that he's going to get similar terms as far as lengths of the contract. I think that's probably more of a four or five year deal and they get to reassess and reload if need be. But I do think he probably gets somewhere up in the 43, $44 million a year value. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Maybe a shorter deal and less guaranteed money. But I guess I, yes, I think the agent's definitely going to point to the MVP and say, this is why he's worth that money. They're always going to try to play that angle. But I think that if I'm the Ravens, and I can't remember who their GM is now. It's not Isaac Newsom anymore, but I don't want to, I don't want to give that up because he's not a great passer and he is a different style of quarterback and he's small. Like, I think there's a giant injury risk with him that he could be another Robert Griffin if he loses his athletic or even loses a step, you know, then he's quite not quite the same dynamic threat. Yeah. For, for me, I do think Lamar Jackson is a franchise quarterback. Um, albeit in a totally different style than pretty much any other franchise quarterback out there. Um, but for me, franchise quarterback right now doesn't necessarily mean he's in that same mold of, he's going to be that guy for eight, 10, 12 years. Like you're typically looking for. I do think he can be the face of the franchise and the leader now. Um, but I don't see him having a 10 year career like that, unless he kind of develops that a little bit more pocket pass or a little bit more, you know, rhythm and less relying on the legs. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. On to question number two. Question two. Dawson Knox will be the starting tight end for this team. Is that real or is that silly? Mm. I'm going to, this one, I'm going to have to go real on this. Real. Um, I, I think they're kind of giving him all the opportunities to win this job. Um, he kind of came in and was supposed to be, you know, similar to Josh Allen where he was this raw prospect and he wasn't necessarily supposed to start the first year um, and kind of got thrust into the position. And, and once it goes that route, there's not really much for like Tacey's backsies where well, we're going to let you take a step back and, and work on developing and we'll see you again in a couple of years. Um, so I, I do think it's his job to lose right now. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of like, reports out of camp that uh, Josh Allen and Jacob Hollister kind of have this great chemistry going on and whatnot. Um, so I, I, I see it as realistic that maybe if Dawson Knox isn't having the production that they're looking for, that at some point in the season, they could swing it and, you know, put a little bit more on um, Hollister's plate. But for right now, Dawson Knox is my tight end one. Yeah, I, almost word for word agree with that. I think they have the investment in Dawson Knox. They have tried to develop them and I think they're just going to keep throwing them out there. If you're going to sit them now, then you probably should have sit them last year or the year before. So you're going to stay committed. I think the, the business term is commitment to escalation right now. Uh, <laughs> but after, after the year, maybe different, or like you say, even during the year, like if it's week seven to eight and we're just 
he's doing the same things, missing blocks, dropping passes. Maybe it would be Hollister time. And at that point, I think he's start this feel like his time in Buffalo is over, but I agree with you right now. He is a starter. Right. And Dawson Knox is, he's that physical free tight end that, you know, a lot of these teams are coveting and he just kind of has to put it together. Um, and in the system that we're running, I don't, it's always nice to have an, an extra weapon out there. Right. Um, but with, with a tight end, that's going to be taking targets away from some of our top flight receivers. I don't know if he's even necessarily the greatest fit for our scheme. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a more reliable blocker. Um, just kind of, I'm going to throw the name out there. It's, Nothing to do with uh, the actual player itself. It's just the name's been out there so much. But like the Zach Ertz type of sit in the zone and pick up the three, four, five yards when you need it. We don't necessarily need a tight end that has eight catches for 140 yards and a touchdown, two touchdowns every week. Um, we really like to run our offense through the wide receivers and anything from the tight end position is a bonus. So while I do want to see Knox kind of break out and fulfill that development, I don't think it's really necessary for him to be that game breaker. I'm more interested in seeing him develop as a consistent blocker, um, that, that third and short target, you know, all the little intangibles like that. Yeah, I, I get it too, because, you know, right now I don't even know that we can get that from him. But banking on his athletic ability, if he were – able to put it together i think you know if you think if if he could turn into a travis kelsey type that's a big stretch for where he is now but he's athletic enough to do that and i think if he could become that mismatch then it becomes worth maybe putting him out there in two receiver sets more often and and having passing plays drawn up for him. You know, right now, I guess he's not a big part of the offense. The tight ends generally not, but if he takes a big step, then maybe that's different. And we're just more uh, able to look for the mismatches all across the field. Right, right. Love to oh. see that. Yeah, I, you and the rest of Bill's Mafia. <laughs> but uh, on to the last one, number three. Question three. The Bills will be in the top half in the league in sacks this year. Is that real or is that silly? Where, where did we finish overall last year? I don't know the answer to that. Was, Let me go look it up. It was low. So while you look it up to give me the actual numbers, I'm I'm gonna say that this is silly. A bunch of silliness. Uh, I think it's uh, from where I'm pretty sure we finished. It was towards the bottom of the league. We, I know we were good at generating pressures, but not necessarily sacks. Um, and while this is, this is kind of another one where kind of betting on uh, projections and development um, with the, with the youth we have at the defensive end position and, you know, I'll, I'll include Ed Oliver in there it's expecting a lot to have these rookies second, third year players just blow up onto the scene. Um, I would love to see it, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. So you you think it's silly. Yeah. I think that if you told me that as a, a two year projection, you know, two years from now we're in the top half, I, I would agree, but I don't think we're there yet. 
Wow. I find myself disagreeing with you, and that's not something that I had seen happening. Uh, I think if I would have made the question top 10, then I would probably say it's silly. But I guess I don't have a good solid reason to defend my take other than it's just a gut feeling. Um, I am feeling a little bit more optimistic. I'm trying really hard not to buy into the training camp hype because everybody looks good in training camp every year. Everyone's in shape. Oh, this guy looks good. You always hear the good stuff. So, you know, I want to take that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. But, I mean, you, you have Groot coming in as a rookie, didn't play – very he didn't play at all last year and even the year 2019 he got half of his sacks from the interior so i was concerned that he wasn't going to be able to match i wanted to see what he could do against an nfl tackle and you know first week of training camp he's has a chop move and he's putting daryl williams on his face and you hear his name coming up over and over again uh basham started out hot kind of cooling off a little bit right now but obata i guess is the man so I'm maybe letting myself buy into it a little bit that that pass rush generation from the, the ends at least uh, will be big, at least bigger. And Ed Oliver, you know, I guess if he can't do it this year next to star, then I have to start wondering if he's worth that top 10 pick. I, I'd feel better about him if he was picked at 30 than if he was picked inside the top 10. Do you agree with that? I, I agree with that. I So I don't think we're too far off on – as far as disagreeing, I, I wouldn't rule out being in the top half of the league, but I, I guess I'm staying uh, more shockingly. I think I'm staying more on the measured approach than you, which is a real change of pace for you. Um, while I, while I think that we could get there and I would love to see it. Um, I guess if you ask me this question again in two, three weeks, once we see a little bit of live football action and I can, see with my own eyeballs live reps with these guys against an opposing team, I, I might feel a little bit better. Um, but the way I'm looking at it right now and the way Bean and McDermott like to make players earn their way onto the field, uh, I'm looking at our front four probably starting out the year being uh, Jerry Hughes, Star, Ed Oliver, and Mario Addison. Unless, you know, Epinesa can take that job from Addison in the next couple weeks. And I just don't see, I don't see stars being enough of a change there to really boost what we did last year. Now, if these young players do come on hot and strong, then we could be having a whole different conversation. I'm just not there yet. Yeah, I, I hadn't even talked about Epinenza, but he started. I think last year was a rough year from him. You're coming in as a rookie. You don't really have a preseason. It's COVID. They ask you to mess with your weight. You're up and down, and I. I could be wrong. And I know he's in a rotation. So that kind of limits your opportunities as well, but it was coming on better at the end of the year. You started seeing him in the backfield more. You started hearing his name called. Um, that is very encouraging to me. And I wonder what's going to happen with a full off season with the preseason games and Obata. I, I think if you had talked to me about Obata a month ago, I was a little bit more pessimistic, but Everything that I hear is that he's been the man the last week and a half or so. Yeah, I, I loved Obata as soon as we signed him. I have uh, one of my good friends is a big Panthers fan, and it, inherently it makes me pay attention to their games a little bit more. And, you know, we can't forget that 
if you just put Obata on last year's team, he would have been tied for the team lead in sacks. Um, so I think he has a good chance to kind of show up in a rotation role and make a big impact. He can play on the outside. He can go inside. I think we're going to see a lot of that um, crossover with some of these guys we have where they're rushing from the inside and outside. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I'm excited to see how it pans out. Yeah. By the way, he was in a rotation last year in Carolina. He only got 29% of the steps and still ended up with that sack total. So either that's why he got signed, <laughs> but uh, you know, it'd be nice if he could, if you maintain and you get another five and a half sacks, that's great. But if you somehow get more, you know, I don't know how much realistic it would be to expect him to get a lot more on the same type of rotation, but if he matched it, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I'll take five. <laughs> yeah. I'll take five. All right. That's it. That is the debut segment of is this real or is this silly? We'll do this every week. Justin Goddard over from the wandering Buffalo. As I said, one half of the most likable duo. I'm not going to say which half, but he is half of that <laughs> duo. Um, Justin Goddard. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes tonight and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you next week. Hi listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We like to consider ourselves average Joes by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year-round, because in football, there is no off-season. And you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go, Go Bills. Bills! Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, I have another... B.I.B. brother in the hot seat tonight. Welcome to the Mafia hot seat, Izzy Monero. Izzy, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, man? Good. And not to get too personal, but make sure that you find Izzy and you wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> You're oh. going to be a few days too late, but do it anyway. That works for me. <laughs> Better late than never. No harm, no foul. You know, all those little cliches that we hear. Why don't you tell the good people listening, because this is a podcast, but he does, Izzy does a lot of work on the YouTube channel for mm -hmm. Built in Buffalo. He's very active in the group chats. And it's funny because we'll be arguing about something in the group chat and then up comes a little video and there's Izzy in the truck basically yelling at us and like dad's coming home to, to set us all straight. But why don't you tell us where we can get your YouTube content? So every Friday night, uh, usually at 9.30, but this weekend it might be a little later because we don't want to you know, be in the middle of the game that's going to be going on for the preseason. So uh, going forward, once there's no more preseason games, it'll be 9.30 again. But uh, Friday nights, Built in Buffalo YouTube channel, The Red Zone Report, Charlie and Izzy, 
uh, Charlie, my co-host, and uh, myself have a fun time on occasion debating and then other times just discussing the future of the Bills and what's going on at the time, like the Josh Allen extension we discussed last time on Friday, and then, you know, training camp battles, things like that. So, yeah, Friday nights, Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. That's right. Built in Buffalo YouTube channel, Friday nights, Red Zone Report. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to go ahead and get started. This is your first time in the Mafia hot seat, so I guess welcome to the show. I'm going to break you in right. I have 10 questions in front of me. You can pick one number, and I'll just read you the corresponding question. We'll go wherever the discussion takes us, but which number would you like? Uh, uh, Seven. Lucky number seven. Oh, I wrote this one today and I'm glad you picked it because sometimes I have a good question and nobody ends up picking it up. Okay. (laughs) Now I'm not going to hold you to it, but this time next year, there's a lot of things that could be different with the team. Yeah. Does it could be uh, losing somebody. It could be trading somebody. It could be an injury. There's a many different things we can decide. The season does not go like we hoped at a certain position. So, Next April, okay, in the draft, in the first round, what position are we picking? Ooh, first round pick next year. So quarterback, we're settled. Uh, linebackers, we settled. If if Edmonds has his year, this could be a lot of different spots. It could be a safety. You know, if if uh, the boys in the back, you know, show their age, it could be defensive tackle. Um, I don't see it being a defensive lineman, though, because that's two years in a row now. Oh, man. Um, So I'm going to go cornerback because it doesn't seem like Dane is unassing Levi Wallace from his position at this point in time. And, you know, no, no, it won't be corner because we have Trey White. They they, they, they like to have that imbalance. This is tough, man. (laughs) This is a hot seat. Yeah, but there's not really a wrong answer. I mean, you just kind of have to think it through because we don't know what's going to happen, obviously. Yeah, no clue. Um, I, I would like it to be cornerback, but... I think I think most of Bill's Mafia would. We all wanted, like, uh, Melifonwu this year or Asante Samuel Jr. or, you know, somebody like that in rounds two or three. Everybody wanted one of those, but we, we passed. So that's like... Like, even Melifonwu was available in the third round. We could have traded up, got him, but we didn't. Um I'm hearing he's running as a safety right now. Even still, I mean, he could have ran as a big nickel. He could have ran as a nickel. Could have ran as a corner. He he was he was very position flex. Um, I want to say corner, but my my brain is telling me it's going to be a safety. Okay, just because you're feeling like we need to have. Maybe somebody ready to step up just in case in a few years we start to see some drastic fall off in those two. Yeah, well, if you look at those two, they're, they're one year left and two years left, respectively. So like, they're not long-term signings as of this moment. Right now, they're kind of playing it by year. So, Yeah. Well, and, you know, Dane is still on his rookie contract. But yeah. what do we really have in Dane? I, I'm – I don't have strong feelings and I, I don't know how to feel about him. Levi Wallace is fine, but he's on a one-year deal for one and a half million. So how much do they really want to invest in him? We keep hearing how much they like him, but how much do they like him? He's a placeholder. Yeah. So I want to say cornerback. I agree. But- I, 
I want to say it too, but they've not shown it. Yeah, exactly. They they just seem to think that we can get enough out there. And when you say they like the imbalance, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, I think they want to try to funnel the the offense to go that way and mm-hmm. just let Levi make a tackle. Yeah, because if you look at the the way the field's set up, usually on the uh, if you look if you're from the opposing quarterback looking at our defense on the left hand side, you typically have Levi, and then on that side is generally also Micah Hyde and Matt Milano. So the coverage strength of the defense is generally shot that way. On the other side, you got Trey White. Poyer's over there. Now, Poyer can cover, but Poyer's definitely more of the thumper. He's more of the box safety guy. Granted, he, again, can cover. It's uh, it's, it's, it's clear to see, though, which side they're putting their strength of coverage on to help protect that side. Yeah. You mentioned defensive tackle. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. Um, we'll probably be drafting late, so maybe yeah. not. So that's probably not where you want to draft a defensive tackle. But, you know, if we don't like the way things are going this year with Star, we could get out of the contract next year. Yeah, next year's the year. Um, we He elected not to address that this year, which I think a lot of Bills Mafia had to kind of maybe turn their head at a little bit. But um, interior offensive line, you never know what's going on right now with – we could lose Mitch Morris at any minute for concussion. He could be tomorrow. He could get a concussion and he, he's going to be done. Like he's had, I don't know how many now, but uh, you know, Jim Bates, is he the backup center of the future? No. I don't know. We don't have a lot of, we have fine players in there, but I don't think we have a lot of like good talent in there that we can just plug and forget. So yeah. maybe it could be interior offensive line. The thing is, if, if we pick late, like we all say we should, if you pick, you know, 32nd to 30th, um, like you're kind of at the mercy of what everybody else chose, unless you trade up. So, yeah, offensive line could be another one. Could very, very well could be because we're not set. We're, well, we have Feliciano, Williams, and Dawkins all signed, quote unquote, long term. Mm-hmm. But you just never know, man. Like they, they, those guys could fall by a wayside, and their deals are very friendly when it comes to letting them go after this year if they you know slump off this year so i think dawkins is pretty safe i worry a little bit about uh williams yeah dawkins i, I i'm not concerned about but i'm not really that concerned about williams either as long as that tackle they put him at guard i'm worried but <laughs> well i i say that and i agree with you but why would they get two tackles this year <laughs> Well, they, yeah, they wouldn't. They'd go with the interior lineman, I think, if, if it was going to be anybody, because Cody Ford experiment might be failing, and then the center position needs to be addressed here soon. So could be interior offensive line. Yeah. I don't know. If I had to make a pick, though, I don't know. I, you, I That's what I would make. If, if, if Vince Taylor was making the pick, we're getting a corner. Yeah. But if I'm guessing what I want to say, Brandon Bean will be looking at completely way too early. Um I don't know. I, I'm going to say offensive line. Okay, uh, I would go that. I would go that way too. Like I said, it's the mercy of the draft. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. It's just where they have the draft board fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, what else we got, Bus? <laughs> what do you got for me? Um. So, what do you think about the tight end position? Um. As you know very well, because we argued about it incessantly, uh, I, I was against the Zach Ertz trade. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's the type of player we're expecting to get. Like, he's probably fine, and he's certainly an upgrade over Knox. But how much of an upgrade is he over Hollister? 
I don't really know. Uh, so I'm not interested in giving up draft pick capital to get a guy like that and then paying him like he's yeah. that guy. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with rolling with Hollister and Knox. I'm, I'm having a little twinge of optimism for Knox because you've heard so many good things about him. Yeah. He had that one bad drop, but uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts? Everybody drops passes. Everybody, Julio Jones drops passes. Uh, the only ones that don't seem to drop passes like Devontae Adams and D-Hop. You know, Diggs drops passes. Everybody does. Like, number one's receivers, they drop balls. So I don't know why people get so crazy about a drop ball. Granted, that one was a wide open one, but one is one. He's he's had a great camp other than that one. Got to let it go. Yeah. Well, and like I keep saying, he is just as athletic as anybody, any other tight end in the league. And yeah. you want to compare him to Gronk, he, he's going to compare pretty well with Gronk that way. Now, uh-huh. if, so I'm not ever really mad at the pick for taking that swing, but maybe he shouldn't have been starting. And, you know, we were super successful last year without getting anything from that spot. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if we have Hollister show that he can be more reliable, maybe we do use a tight end more often. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. Um, I, I like Hollister. I mean, he, he lit us up in that, that Seahawks game. Everything he caught was a first down. So you never know. We, we might have our upgrade on the field. I, I love it when, when when other players come out of nowhere and then just take the spot. They're like, all right, this is going to be my spot now. That's it. Yeah, like a, like a B or C level player that suddenly becomes a guy that you lean on. Yeah. Or Jerry. like, well, he was a first round pick. He was, but he wasn't anything in Indianapolis. Then he gets here and all of a sudden he's rushing the pass best and better than just about anybody in the league. So I live in Indianapolis. Not sure if you're aware of that. Yep. Um, it was scheme fit. Like nobody could really figure out why they took Jerry here in Indy and he didn't get on the field very much. And uh sports talk radio was kind of all over the coaches and, and Jerry for that. Uh, yeah. It was just a bad fit. I think here in Indy for him. So I'm glad certainly God we got him in, in Buffalo and who can trade for him. I can't remember. It was Kelvin Shepard from LSU. Kelvin Shepard. Yes. Yeah. We and won he, that trade easily. Easily. Uh, that dude didn't last in the league at all. No, nah, I think he was probably in the league like two or three years and he was done. Uh-huh. He bounced around from a couple teams then. I think he ended up on the Giants eventually, and then it was like, that's a wrap. It's like all of our all of our players that don't turn out end up on the Giants for a year and they're gone. Well, our boy KB tried to be a tight end. Yep, KB, him, even Rob Johnson back in the day became a Giant for a little while. Well, I didn't remember that. He was a Giant? Yeah, he was. Like, I think it was like the preseason, and then after that, it was like, yeah, you're gone, RoboSack. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, you said it was, was it just one question? Yeah, that's it. Just one question. Oh, shoot. Jeez. I thought it was, thought it was like two. <laughs> I, I can give you another one if you want. Let's give me another one. Let me go with three. Make it even 10. Okay. All right. <laughs> Izzy Monero, I want you to walk through your thoughts and feelings of draft night 2018. Oh, <laughs> the people are not going to like this at all. <laughs> Cause I was not a Josh Allen guy. I had to warm up to it because, you know, watching the film of Josh Allen and knowing he got hurt in college and that he, you know, chose to stay and that he might've been a first round pick the year before. And if he did that, we probably don't pick him because, you know, we were, we still, we were still on the tie rod train, but, uh, 
man, when when we had all those first round picks, like we we given Kansas City Chiefs our first round pick, they go take Patrick Mahomes, right? We take Tre'Davious White that year. 2018 comes around. We have the 21st and 22nd pick, or was it the 20th and 21st? I don't remember which two. We traded up with the Bengals. We gave them a Cordy Glenn, Glenn, and our first and one of our first round picks to move up to 11 or 12, and then we ended up trading up with Tampa to go get Josh. My ideas for that draft uh, were because I'm more of a safety guy. Stay with our two picks in the first round after the Cordy Glenn thing. Pick up Billy Price and Will Hernandez uh, for the inside of the offensive line because our offensive line was horrendous. We had Vlad Ducasse and Yeah, it was bad. Bills. Like, I was really concerned about whoever our quarterback was going to be safety. I'd rather them have a line in front of them and, you know, build the offense and have somebody put in place. So my second round pick was James Washington, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. And then my third round pick was just like the Steelers, Mason Rudolph, to sit behind Tyrod for a year, you know, or whoever was going to be our guy that we brought in and let him mature behind a a developing offensive line with a young wide receiver that he already had a connection with. And then everything after that, they could do whatever. But the first three rounds, I had a quarterback, two offensive linemen, and a wide receiver. And it was Mason Rudolph, James Washington, Billy Price, and Will Hernandez. And I wanted the Bills to solidify that interior offensive line, wide receiver, and quarterback. And everything else after that could come whenever. I, I wasn't really worried about it. It was just that core. I I I wasn't that far. My, my thoughts weren't that strategic as yours, Izzy. I have been a Bills fan all my life. Uh, I'm in my early 40s. So I remember, I, yeah, I remember my Jim Kelly uh, years. I was. Okay. I remember Doug Flutie. Well, Doug Flutie, as much as I loved him, he wasn't that guy. Like I wanted him to be, he wasn't. Yeah. We had that small little spot there with Bledsoe was okay. Bledsoe was good. He had he had forty four hundred yard season. He did. Yeah. He. I mean, the offense wasn't the problem with him. No. Was- and then we tried again with Fitz. And I always felt like the Bills were just not part of the league because we didn't even want to really. Uh, we didn't want to be part of the league because we didn't want to go to a passing based offense. And so I knew that in this draft, I'm sitting in the bar with my brother and we're watching it. And I knew that we were getting our quarterback. And my first guy that I wanted, Donald, Donald was my number one. Okay. Uh, Mayfield was my number two. And by the time the Colts made that trade and I thought we were screwed. (laughs) I was like, they just screwed us. I'm doing the math, and I'm like, we're not going to get who we want. And then the Bills picked, and both Josh is both Joshes are on the board. And I'm like, yes, it's going to be Rosen. I was not believing in Josh Allen at all. Yeah. He couldn't dominate in college. He went to his – like, okay, he can throw the ball far, but we've seen that fail before, yeah, right? Kyle Bowler. Kyle Bowler. I mean, there's been just many different strong-art quarterbacks. It's just different. And I thought – not that when we picked him, I wasn't rooting for him but I yep. didn't believe in my heart that he was the guy. So I was upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we let Rosen go. We pick Allen and I'm pissed. <laughs> I don't say a word to my brother. I think I just smacked the table and I got up and walked out of the bar and I drove home. My wife's like, how'd it go? I'm like, don't talk to me. I was pissed. <laughs> Absolutely livid. And uh, 
Wow. How wrong was, I mean, most of Bill's mafia, I think felt yeah. the way I did. So I'm so happy to be wrong. Now he's like my favorite guy. Like I love every single thing about him. I love his personality. I love his play. You know, like he's just such an infectious guy. Like I love that. I was wrong about him. Me too. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. And one thing about Josh is that he wasn't scared to earn it. You know, he, he was like, you guys may have wanted somebody else, but you're going to want me push comes to shove and he's absolutely right because we we love him here in buffalo we we love josh allen we love us some um, some big six five three hundred forty or 240 pound quarterback able to launch the ball all the way down the field and make Xavier howard look like his son so yeah we love that so we do I'm love that super happy with it you know and i've been a bills fan since i was you know a little kid but you know as a kid i was adhd so i was I was really too hyper to pay attention until I got to high school. And that's when I was started really getting into it. I'm 37 now. So that was, you know, the 1998, 99. That's when Flutie and Rob Johnson were really on the team and, and doing their thing with their competition. Uh, Eric Moulds uh, was my first Bills jersey that I, you know, wore as a really big football fan. Uh, I loved Lee Evans when he came in and then his, his shortened career kind of, eh. You're right with all the running stuff. Yeah, we we drafted what Marshawn Lynch. We had Fred Jackson. We drafted C.J. Spiller. We were just drafting running backs left and right. It was crazy. Yeah, go back and look at how many league league and rushers the Bills had during the last twenty five years or so. Yeah, and I mean Travis Henry, Willis McGee. Well, I don't think Willis led the league, but Willis was a quality back. Yeah, C.J. Spiller. Yeah, I mean Fred Jackson. We just had all this long list of quality running backs, but we were always shit. Uh, it was like that one year when uh, the Bills lost week 17 to the Steelers. And I thought it was a lossman year, but it was actually a Bledsoe year. So, yeah. That was a Bledsoe year? Yeah, it was. It was Holy Bledsoe shit. Year. But we went against the Steelers. If we win, we're in. It was like Brian St. Pierre's the Steelers quarterback. And for the longest time, I swore it was J.P. Lossman. And then I looked it up and it was Bledsoe. Bledsoe had like 170 yards that game. And he just like shit to bed. I was watching that game with some buddies from work and I am just now like dating myself. Like, good God, that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> but I was, I was a young private in the army. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. All right, man. This is a wonderful time. I appreciate you having me and uh, you know, we should do this later in the season. Absolutely. Anytime, man. I mean, I'm, I always make room for my fellow BIB brothers and uh, you know, this was fun. And was. just to repeat it, I want to make sure everybody knows you can find Izzy Friday nights on the built in Buffalo YouTube channel. What time is he? Uh, 930. 930. But during the preseason, it's probably going to be closer to 10 because of the end time of games. Sure. Don't run over the bills games because nobody will listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, Unless we do like in-game commentary, you just put us on and then lower the volume on Spiroditas. I might actually do that. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I do that. Oh, what's right. your? What is your YouTube? What is your? Not your YouTube handle. What is your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at TFP Rican, which stands for at that freaking Puerto Rican. Uh, but someone took my stuff, so it's at TFP Rican. <laughs> okay. All right, Izzy. Thank you so much. Happy birthday. Thank you. Make sure you tell Izzy happy birthday, even though it'll be a few days late. Uh, enjoy the rest of your night. I will. You do the same, boss man. All right. We'll see you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, next up on the hot seat this week, we have a guest that's coming on for the first time. 
one half of the Napanos Buffalo show. I'm not going to say the smarter half. I'm not going to say it. I'm not putting those words in my mouth, but you Casey, can say the better how are you half. Doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm living my best life. Um, I have a one month old. Um, she's perfect, uh, but not all at the same time. And, and I think parents will, will agree with that. Other people who don't have kids are like, man, that's kind of fucked up for you to say, but no, 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 no. She's perfect. <laughs> But I'm about sick of the attitude already and uh, getting puked on. If we could take those two things out, then I'd be fine. It's not even the, the poopy diapers. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I never thought that <laughs> I would sit there in my bedroom and chant, shit your pants, shit your pants. But here I am at 27 years old, chanting that at a one month old. So, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, your life's changed a bunch in the last few months. You got married and, and had a a child, like boom, 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 and there you well, are. Well, now, I didn't get – I've been married for about two years now. Um, I think that was the one thing that me and my wife wanted to – and my, it might not seem like I've been married for two years uh, because I told my wife when we got married, I never wanted the honeymoon phase to end, right? I never wanted that to end. Um I took her for granted. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but uh, I had a really bad drinking problem. And I took her for granted for, for a long time. Um, and we got married in March. And then three months later, she was going to leave me because I was a drunk. Um, so I sat back. I reevaluated my Whoa, life. Casey, I yeah. um, I just want to stop you. Do you really want to put this out there? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm very open about it. I, I'm very, very open about it because I think uh, at the end of the day, and I know we have to talk Bill's stuff, but I think at the end of the day, um, being open about mental illness and and I was depressed and I don't know why I was depressed, but at the end of the day, my wife stuck by me and I told her, I said, I'm never going to drink again and I don't want this honeymoon phase to end. And now like, I, I will find things to do. I, and I told her, I said, even if I have the the worst days in the world. I want to make sure that you are taken care of and that you feel special. So you'll probably see me on Twitter say things like my wife did this or my wife did that. And I always talk about my wife and, you know, I'm proud. I'm proud of the fact that I, I took that step and I, I realized, you know, Hey, I got to get sober and I got sober and I'm, I'm two years sober now. Uh, I'm much happier. Um, but no, I think, I think it's important. So, I mean, just, you know, if you're struggling out there and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, dang, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I don't need a drink or maybe I don't need to do this or, or maybe this, or maybe that, you know, just reach out to me. Uh, my DMS are open. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people about sobriety. Um, but yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm glad. But that, that was one thing that me and my wife talked about. Like, I don't want to get married and then immediately have kids. And I'm glad we didn't. Um, but then again, we probably should have waited a few more years. <laughs> we should have got a puppy. We should have a puppy. <laughs> All right. So where can they find you, though, if they want to reach out to you? Um, at CashOutBF. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, that's the one that I'm most engaged with is Twitter. So at CashOutBF. Um, and the reason why it's CashOutBF is because not only do I do the Nap Nose Buffalo podcast um, with Kyle Naparella, um, but I also host another podcast called uh, Buff City Podcast, where we just talk gambling. Um, and it's getting to that point and where we're going to be gambling. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I am gambling on the preseason. So uh, this Friday when the Bills are playing and Thursday uh, when the Steelers are playing, I've got a couple of bets out there for that. <laughs> okay. Do you want to give any tips or no? Um, 
Trust your gut. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to gambling, right? Like, if you think they're going to win, probably bet on them. Like, don't overthink it. Just go ahead and just do it, right? Um, and bet small. Don't 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 throw down a hundred and like, man, and win ten thousand dollars. Like, it's okay to bet five dollars to win fifty. Like, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, Casey. You know the drill. Yeah. I have ten questions in front of me. Uh, you can have any number you like, except for numbers three and number seven. Man, those were like my favorite numbers. Um, okay, well, let's just do the even, even right down the middle, and let's let's do five, even though it's an odd number. Okay, so you and I were talking off air about <laughs> maybe some of the uh, other training camp heroes. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. That you think are going to make the roster or you don't think is going to make the roster, but do you have your eyes on anybody that you think is being overlooked right now? That is being overlooked. Uh, Cam Lewis is a guy that uh, immediately comes to mind of like, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he does in the preseason right he gets his shot i, I want to see how he does you know you've seen the whole videos of him uh he had an interception against isaiah mckenzie um you know but i want to see how he does and i feel like he is kind of forgotten on the back end especially when um they brought in a couple of other cornerbacks or right now wild goose is kind of on everybody's mind of him making the roster and i always question that like why him over cam lewis so Cam Lewis is, is a guy that I, I really want to pay attention to. I like it because, well, he was on the roster before. You know, he's yes. usually a backup type player. And maybe that's his role again. But you're right. I'm probably guilty of overlooking him too. And he, he actually, when I did my 53, man, I, he actually popped in my head and I dismissed him probably a little too quickly. Um, I am on in on Wild Goose because if what I hear, you know, inside, outside, I think that counts for something. But I also think being around a little bit counts for something. And from what I understand about Wild Goose, he's still got a lot of growing pains to get out of. He's grabby. He's inconsistent. He's, you know, he's just got some things he needs to work on. So you might be right. I, I, I like that one a lot. I, I have also been thinking about Saran Neal. Yes. Um I think he makes the roster and I know that I know that wasn't your your question but I think he makes the roster but he's also a forgotten man on the roster. There's a couple of cornerbacks that you don't think of. Like if you ask the average fan to name more than 3 cornerbacks on the roster, um they they wouldn't really, you know, give a good answer. So Man, I'm sitting here thinking of Saran Neal right now. I'm curious. I can't wait till Friday because that's really when you start to see these guys play. Because during the regular season, sure, they're on the roster, but they're not on game day. You know, they're not on the field all the time. So this is kind of, you know, why are you sticking around? Why should you stick around? Well, in his case, it's special teams. But last year, I was thinking that he might have had a chance to get into a game at the other cornerback spot. That didn't happen. So he's kind of flip-flopping between safety and corner. I think he's really a safety, but he's going to – he plays a lot of corner. Uh, again, position versatility. I don't know. Like having a guy in your roster that can do two things is better than a guy that can only do one. But how well does he do those two things? And and then I have a, I have a question for you. So 
how how long do you keep around somebody because they're good at special teams before you start to realize like hey maybe you know we might want to keep around this rookie right or we want to keep around the second year player and this guy's been in the league you know five six times and he, he really is just on special teams and i don't get me wrong i love special teams it, there are three phases of the football but how long until we stop using the excuse well, he's good at special teams he's uh, good at special teams Casey, I knew I loved you. I've had that question in my mind for a little while now because when you start trying to fill up the roster and then Daryl Johnson, Matikiewicz, yep. you know, you can – I mean, I'm drawing a blank right now, but there's like five or six guys like Taiwan Jones, you know, these guys that do nothing but special teams. And I'm not saying they're not valuable, but there comes a number where you have to be like, you know what, that's too many. We got to start paring that down. And – I mean, I guess I felt that way about the roster last year. So um, I'm with you. Like, I, I have that same type of thought. Uh, maybe if I go one step further, and maybe it's maybe it's not the same thing, but on a different tangent, do you think right now when we're looking at roster building, of course we're in a Super Bowl window, this is our go-for-it year, but Bean's being awfully careful to try to extend this window and keep it together as long as he can. So knowing that when you're trying to make cutdowns on the roster, does it matter if a guy is on a one-year contract, Effie Obata or Daryl Johnson? You know, I think he's maybe got a couple years left because I know that next year the cap's going to be really tight again. Do you think that matters at all? No, uh, but I do believe that special teams holds uh, a very you know safe spot in both McDermott and Bean's heart. Um, but I think it comes down to um, defense and offense. I think that's, that's something that they're kind of looking at more than, um, you know, Bam Johnson, for an instance, Oh, he played special teams. So let's keep him on the roster. And it's like, okay, well, that's going to be very, very hard to do um, when you have seven or eight other defensive linemen and it's like I we 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 signed this guy in the offseason, right? We signed this guy in the offseason. We want to keep him on the roster, but yet we have this other guy over here who is really just just good at special teams, right? But this guy over here we signed in the offseason. Like we wanted him on the team to begin with. He showed enough to stay on the team. If it comes down to this guy or this guy, I think it just it's it's gonna be the guy that they signed in the offseason because they want him on the team, right? So uh, at this point, when you're at the Super Bowl window, do you start sacrificing some of these older players who specialize in special teams play like Taiwan Jones? Um, you know, I, I believe he won't make the roster as special teamers, right? We start talking about Kumro as one, like, oh, he's really good at special teams. Okay, well, Taiwan Jones is gone then, right? Because they, they do the same thing on special teams. So if you're going to keep Kumro, then you have to let Taiwan Jones go. Well, no, no, no. They're not going to let Taiwan Jones go. Yeah, well, now, come on now. It's either one or the other. Right? You can't just sit there and have – you can't have your cake and eat it too. So I think at this point they're going to start sacrificing some of these older players who do play special teams. I I mean, Matikiewicz, from everything I understand, is only special teams – Mm -hmm. And he's pretty highly paid for a special teams player. And we don't yep. really want him on the field at all on defense. Like if he's in there, oh shit, you know, we're really hurting. So I don't understand the value of that because we run nickel so much. Why do we need to have that extra linebacker spot? But I mean, every, 
I, I'm not claiming to be smarter than every anybody. Being as much smarter than I am, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But just a question I have, you know, what's going on there? Like that's it's just an odd person to keep right now on this roster, I think. Well, you know, they, they signed him for special teams, and it's like uh, you know, Stevenson. They drafted Stevenson, not necessarily to be a wide receiver, but to be their return guy. So when, and that that starts the Isaiah McKenzie Stevenson debate. Like, why why keep somebody on the roster when you drafted somebody to do their job? Now I understand that maybe he's not doing the best right now in training camp. And that's that's fine. Um, And he might be stashed on the practice squad this year. Um, But as soon as he was drafted, the return job was his to lose eventually. And what I mean by that is that whoever had the return job, whether, you know, whoever it may be, if it's Isaiah McKenzie, it's Isaiah McKenzie, but that job was going to be Stevenson's regardless. So you start to move on from these, say, more expensive players like the Medikavich and, and well, Isaiah McKenzie is not expensive. He's only got a million dollars out there on there. I say only a million, like I won't ever sniff that type of money. But still, you know, the lesser contracts, these guys start to become expendable because you need to draft well and you need to hit on your late round draft picks. So you can't keep all your late round draft picks unless they're good at special teams. Well, if Brandon, you know, Bean and Sean McDermott specialize or really like special teams, they're probably going to coach these guys up to play special teams. So that leaves the veterans who play special teams to move on out the door. So a lot of these guys like the Medikavich, like the uh, Isaiah McKenzie, you know, the six wide receiver, um, you know, the Bam Johnsons of the world, they'll probably start to be phased out as we get closer and closer and closer to actually winning the Super Bowl and becoming a dynasty. A dynasty. Unless you're Matthew Slater. He'll always have a job. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Well, Casey, you have anything else for me? No, man, that was that was it. Yeah, see, it's painless. It's, it's not that uh, bad, is it? A little it? bit, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm flustered. I'm hurting a little bit. My mind is killing me because you made me think a lot. And then you also made me pronounce Medikavich. But what yeah, you're right. It was, I know it was pretty, it was pretty painless outside of that. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, just, I want to repeat this. So everybody out there knows Casey is I'm not going to say the better half, but one half of Napno's Buffalo show. Um, it is an interesting listen. I listen to it every week. I believe they record on Wednesdays. Is that right? We but do. it comes out yep. podcast form on a Friday. So I don't, yep. I don't usually miss it. It is a different type of listen because of the, the dynamics between both. Kyle is just a really cool and super nice guy. And yeah. in case he just likes to poke fun at things, but he knows how to get down to business too. So um, I, I really enjoy that show. I hope everybody checks it out. Casey, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes tonight. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. All right. We'll see you. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, last on the Mafia hot seat, but certainly not least, he is one of my favorite team members, Justin Goddard, over from the Wandering Buffalo. And by the way, the Wandering Buffalo comes out every Thursday. Justin, say hello. Hello, Bills Mafia. How are we doing today? Glad to be on the show with Vince again. Second stint on the hot seat. 
Yeah, so you're an old vet now. You know all the rules. I know the rules. I just got to know what numbers are already taken. All right. So, yeah. Numbers already taken are 2, 5, and 10. Oh, man, I was hoping for this. Now, the funny thing is when I started listening to your show, every time I listened, 7 was the first number that everybody went with, and it was the popular choice. And now I hear everybody talking about how it's the popular choice, so they don't take it. So now I get to be the the pioneer taking seven again. <laughs> All right, Justin Goddard. If I were to force you to bet $1,000 on a player, a big name player that was going to get cut from the bills this off season, where would you put that money? Mm, you got a gray area of a uh, big name player there. I'll allow you a little bit of liberty. But I mean, like if you said Daryl Johnson's a big name player, I'm gonna I'm gonna call bullshit on that one. Where would you rank Harry Phillips in there? I'll allow Harry Phillips. Third round I'll pick allow- from current regime. Yeah, I think his his spot is in jeopardy right now. I I kind of want to see him be that backup to star, but uh, I I don't think he's doing well. And I think the the depth chart that just released had him knocked down, didn't it? Yeah, so he would be my pick if I if I was using my own $1,000 and I wanted to make sure I won it and we considered him to be a big name. Um, I'm actually a huge Harrison Phillips fan, so I don't want to see it. Uh, I think he's great in the – like beyond great in the locker room. I think he's great in the community. Um, unfortunately, just with his injuries, it hasn't really all added up on the field yet for him. Um, so – for for that scenario, I would say Harrison Phillips might be on the outs. Um, the other one I would go with would be maybe Mario Addison. I just don't see it as likely with with the contract that they just you know renegotiated with him. Um, I think they really like him in the locker room. I think they like him as a mentor. Um, for some of the young guys, for me, the, that mentor in the locker room should be Jerry Hughes. I would have, I would have liked to see them not, you know, restructure Mario Addison to keep him around. But you know, at the, at the time they did that, they didn't probably didn't really have a game plan going into the draft of, you know, going back to back at defensive end. So it's kind of uh, similar to the, um, oh boy, what's his name, the tight end. Ah, <sighs> inactive every week. Croft? Croft. Tyler yeah, Croft, Croft, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, kind of similar to that. And uh, the the Trent Murphy move, um, when you weren't really sure what the offseason was going to look like, you weren't – they kind of address their the needs as they see fit before they go into the draft. Um, so I, I do think that handcuffs them a little bit in – financials when it comes to the next move, but I do like that it frees up their draft strategy to take who they really think is the best player on the board. Yeah. They tried really hard to go into the draft without having any glaring holes, which we know we've all talked about that. But I think if Addison, by the way, I agree with you. That's probably where I would put my money and that's not super popular with everybody. But if you look at the numbers, something has to give and if it were to be Mario Addison, to your point, we have Jerry Hughes. Why 
do we, you know, he's saying and doing all the right things because he knows where he's at. Right. So he's pumping up every one of the young guys. He's got nice things to say. He's being the best teammate he can be, which is all you can do. But if you look at the numbers, somebody's got to go. And if it's him, the story will be, Oh, Brandon Bede made a mistake. Well, the story should be he didn't do enough to keep his job because maybe he thought he was safe. Right. And, and for me, I, I think the dead cap hit is like $3 million. Um, for me, yeah, I can talk about it sitting here like $3 million isn't a lot of money in football terms, but at the end of the day, the way I look at it is like, are, are we going to be overly concerned that, you know, we, we pay somebody to not play for us basically um, versus having the best guys on the roster. And for me, I would prefer to make my decisions based on who's performing the best versus, well, we owe this guy some money, whether he's on the team or not. So we're going to keep him around. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a trash Mario Addison type attitude to say that you look at what's going on to say, I don't see a path. It doesn't have to be, I think Mario Addison's trash. It means, wow, this roster is really tight right there. I don't think a trade is super likely, but I, I guess we can see what happens. I guess we have no choice but to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the market is, but I mean, Brandon Bean did pull off a seventh round pick for Lee Smith considering retirement. So he's a wizard like that. Yeah. He's going to have a few of those this year. I, I'm not at all surprised if we end up two, three, four, you know, six, seventh, fifth round picks, just extra off a defensive end or a defensive tackle, or maybe even a wide receiver. If he feels like, you know, I don't know. I guess one of my questions to you should have been about Kumaro, but. <laughs> oh, Kumaro is damn near a roster lock for me at this point. Justin, I'm disagreeing with you again. That's twice. <laughs> Well, the more we work together, the more we're going to have them. <laughs> I, uh, I just, I, given the other wide receivers on this roster, and as much as they like Isaiah Hodgins, and they, he's 29 years old. I think he's the Brandon Riley, Marcus Murphy story again. And they give him time with the ones. I'm not saying that they're like, hey, Trey, let him go out there and catch a few balls. No, I, I think he is going out there and he's playing well. And, but I think putting him out there with the ones is a way to maybe drum up a little interest from Green Bay or somebody else. I I could see that point of view, and I, I've been there for the Brandon Rileys and whatnot. I just, when I start looking at the depth chart, I think one through four is pretty obvious. Um, five, I have McKenzie, and I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, you know, with McKenzie, uh, Marquez Stevenson, you know, having some ball security issues out there trying to return punts. I think McKenzie's the guy there. And then when we get to six, it's kind of, you know, yeah, we hear a lot of great things about Isaiah Hodgins, but I also see the reports, you know, once the pads come on and there's a little bit of contact, he's, he's struggling to get off the line. And, and that was kind of his story coming into the league, right? He, he was kind of projected to be, you know, like a big slot because he wasn't getting off the line. He wasn't, you know, getting through the contact. Um, and it's only going to ramp up from here. So I think I think there's a chance that you can stash Hodgins and Stevenson on the practice squad for, for Stevenson for a year, for Hodgins for another year, and kind of 
be grooming them and looking a little more long-term with them. Um, but as far as Kumaro goes, I, I think for what you're asking a number six receiver to actually do, and I'm thinking like Andre Roberts in the off- offense, you know, you're not really asking much on the offensive side. And what I think he can provide on special teams, I think with with how this team likes to uh, focus on special teams, I think that might be enough to keep a job for him. For your six wide receiver kind of equating with Andre Roberts is exactly right. Like even if he makes a roster, I'm not expecting him to put up really any real kind of numbers or contributions. You know, he might even end up being inactive many weeks, even if he does make the roster. But right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not actively rooting against him. It's a great story if he makes it. I just, I think the path is really tight. Um, I don't know. I I'm, could be wrong. Who the hell am I? I'm just a dumb podcaster. Hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Justin Goddard over from the Wandering Buffalo. Justin, tell the good people where they can find your show. Uh, you can find us on pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, search, search the Wandering Buffalo. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at jgods22. Um, we're on YouTube. Uh, check out the Built in Buffalo Network if there's you know anything you're looking for any day of the week. You're trying to fill a little Buffalo Bills itch. There's shows seven days a week. There's always something out there for you. That's right, and don't forget about your partner in crime, Andrew Two Changs. Two Changs. Yeah, he's uh, also just a very likable uh, part of that team. And then Jake behind the scenes does a lot of work for you guys. We got to give him some love too. He's always, you know, right there for you guys on social media and keeping you guys organized and pointing in the right direction. So give Jake a little love too. Oh yeah. Jake, Jake's the reason that we ended up here. We couldn't have done it without him. Really appreciate that guy. All right. Justin, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time tonight, and I will see you next week. All right. Have a good night, Vince. Bill's Mafia, that is it. That is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to me this Monday. I know that there's so many other great podcasts out there, and I'm just truly humbled and honored that anybody chooses to listen to me. I would like you to do me a favor. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please, I would really appreciate a thoughtful recommendation. It helps me out. If you like what you're hearing, it does support me. It also supports the other stuff that you hear on the Built in Buffalo Network. Remember, we have a new podcast every single day of the week, and we hope you enjoy the work that we put into it. But we'll talk to you all next week. Please go out, wear a mask, be nice to everybody, and squeeze somebody close to you. Go Bills. Hey, hey, we got a player that told us about that there. Hey, I'm gonna tell my dog. I'm calling my dog Uncle Monte up, man. Monte said, "Now, Shady, hey, listen, Shady. This is young man's game, Shady. If you can't run, it's over, Shady." Hey, look, I'm telling Shady what he told you. Shady, like, hey, Shady, when you can't, you Shady McCoy, you cut on the dime. When you can't reverse backfield, the boy start catching. You don't know it's time to hang it up, Shady. Hey, hey, to the viewers. So we all know about when Monte he quit at was it halftime or second quarter? Yeah, halftime. Whatever it was, we um. And we friends with Vontae, so the next day, me and Trey went to his house because we had to know what was going on. Yeah. Like, what made you 
And he said, he said, Shady, I just, I'm out there, Shady, and just, Shady, you Shady McCool, you can't count a dime, it's time to go. It's a young man's game. Yeah. That's how he talk. Hey, my dog, my dog, Pate said, nah, man, hey, yeah. Well, he, he told me on the side, we, we, we came like a three and out. He just made, he just had just made like a big, big stop on third down. He had put his fist up, got the crowd pump and everything. So we got to the sideline, you know what I mean? Offense going, going. So we about to punt. Coach was like, y'all get ready. He was like, yeah, I'm done, young boy. <laughs> I looked, I was like, hold on. He was like, yeah, this my last go round. So I looked to him, I was like, uh, what you mean? Like, this your last, this, oh, this going to be your last year? He was like, nah, this going to be my last game. I'm done, man. <laughs> he said, say that boy, say that. But they said, I'm, I'm done, young Trey, man. Y'all boys, God, this is your man's game, man. I, I just ain't got it no more, Yo, man. Hey, I'm thinking the whole coach. time, like, why the fuck would you go through OTAs and camp and you go do this shit? Yo, yeah. I, heard, I heard he told Coach. He said, yeah, I'm done, man. I'm done. Coach said, wait, oh, all right, you done this series? All right, just come and let's see. He said, no, Coach. I'm done. I mean, I'm finished. I'm finished. <laughs> hey, look, my dog, my dog started start taking this tape off. You know he wore the wrist tape off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, he take it off. He took it off. He started taking it off. So, man, hey, nah, nah. We gonna talk about the week before, though, Shay. You know, what? we was in Baltimore, the first game of the season. Was that? Oh, uh, no, no, no. I thought that was the second game. Wait. No, nah, the, the second game is when he retired. Oh, okay, the first okay, game. Oh, the first game. okay. All right, so, you know what I mean? You know me. I'm young. I ain't. They go. He went out to the stadium all early. Buku out early. I got on the last bus. So, I'm in the bus. I'm from the, got my little tunes in. So, you know, you know how it is, like. When you ain't playing, like they don't have your jersey on your pads. Right, right, right. Oh, I remember I'm this. Like, right. Damn. I'm vibing. I looked up. My dog Vontae got his sweats on, the full sweatsuit, like laying back with his feet kicked up, playing music on his phone. <laughs> I'm like, damn. I was like, playing slow hey, jams. I was like, Uncle Uncle Vontae, like, what's up? Like, he was like, yeah, young boy, they got me there. He said, look, active as uh, inactive, the Pagoda still gotta cut. Pagoda still gotta cut that check. <laughs> If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> folks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.